This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Investor Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sparks. And on this show, we ask successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs to share their story so we can learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life. Today, I'm here with a good friend of mine, Dean Valentini. Dean is a uh, uh, an investor here in Denver. He specializes in uh, house hacking, which is a really cool concept. It's what got me started into real estate. He runs a very uh, uh, tight-knit uh, group with his 18 Alpha Mastermind. I just got back from last week. Fantastic group of people. Uh, just gives a lot of value to his clients and his relationships. So I'm really excited to have him in here today to share his story, how he got into real estate and what he's using uh, real estate to help him get closer to. So that's, that's great to have you here. Over at the at the house. Welcome, Indy. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Super glad to be here. Uh, been looking forward to this for a while now. I know we set it up a while back, so really excited to chat with you. Every time we ha- every time we talk, it seems like you know just mind blowing shit. So like minded guys. And by the way, we're, we we uh, best part about doing podcasts here at the house is we wear slippers and socks. That's so. right. <laughs> if you're listening to this, we're wearing our slippers and socks and feeling very casual. Um, okay, so we start every show off with a six word update. So what is your six word update today? Align actions with priorities, uncompromising focus. Align uh, actions with priorities, uncompromising focus. Yep. I mean, you have a military background, right? So tell us a little bit about you know, what that six-word update means to you. Sure. So a little bit of <clears throat> reflection, you know, retrospective on myself, especially lately, um, just picking up a lot of stuff. And I feel like my focus and my attention and subsequently the quality of, of the outputs that I'm creating are being diluted. Mm. Um, so I really, that's one of my big goals for this year. And, and my short-term goals is to um, just work on that and improve it. Uh, so relentlessly kind of just cutting out things that are not uh, high enough on my priority list. They don't make my cut list at a cut line as they say, um, and allow me to kind of focus and do better and really pump out the quality that I expect of myself uh, on the things that I do choose to focus on and the things that will bring the most value both both to myself, to the business, and, and to others is really the point. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, as a high achiever yourself and like as we observe other high achievers, it's, some of us struggle with... I don't know if I'd call it shiny object syndrome all the time, but it's like, there's so many things that we want to do. hundred percent. Yeah. And that can, you know, your resources get spread all over the place. That can be a struggle. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm finding. I want to do everything. Uh, I want to do everything well. And I just don't, there's just not enough hours in the day. So, um, and you got to squeeze in 75 hard too. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well tell us a little bit about yourself, Dean. I mean, I, I know, you came from a military background. You do some investing across the country in some different markets. You're you're an agent. You're a house hacker. You've got a full time job. I mean, tell us a little bit about all that. Yeah. So you're already starting to dig into the you know dilution of focus piece. I have a I have a ton going on. So yeah. I, I enjoy all of it. I love all of it, and and you know I'm, I'm passionate about at least most of it. And um, so you'll see here kind of what I'm talking about with the you know thousand uh, thousand irons in the fire here. Um, but yeah, like you said, I've been uh, active duty Air Force, still am for been about 10 years now. Um, flight test engineer, doing that sort of thing. And then um, on the uh, more real estate side or investing side, I uh, got started with uh, my buddy, uh, actually a fellow test pilot school, um, 
student at the time, and then we both graduated together. We're both in the same class uh, out at Edwards, California. So we sat next to each other for a whole year uh, during probably one of the most rigorous programs uh, in the military, mm -hmm. and we didn't kill each other. So we figured, hey, I guess we could be partners. It'll probably That's work Anthony, out. Right? That's yeah, it's Anthony or Rocky. Yep. Um, so we started partnering shortly after we both graduated there and uh, picked up some uh, small multifamily stuff up in Dayton, Ohio, which is also near an Air Force base, which was one of the reasons. There are a couple of reasons we chose that that market, but that was one of the reasons. Um, so got into that. We've been doing that for, let's see, probably three, four years now, um, building that portfolio. And then, like you mentioned, um, I got my real estate license when I got out here to Colorado uh, a couple of years ago. So I've been working on the residential real estate real estate side as well, buying and selling, um, helping folks out. Uh, and again, like you mentioned, with the focus on house hacking. So I work with Craig Curlop on the FI team and um, really good friend of mine now. I mean, we you know started out as a business relationship and and we just have a lot, lot in common, a lot of aligned uh, priorities and interests and helping other people achieve financial independence is one of them. So I love it. Yeah. Um, I have a really good time with that and it's nice that it makes me money as well. So it's kind of a win-win. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's all the big stuff. Um, kind of some tangential stuff, you know, you mentioned 18 alpha that's, uh, Anthony and Mai's uh, company that we do investing in, um, the small multifamily stuff. We're starting to get a little bit more into acquisition entrepreneurship. So looking at buying businesses as well and scaling those. Yeah. Um, he gave a presentation. He was talking all yep. about that when we were yep. together last week. Yeah. yeah, he gave a presentation on that last week at the retreat. Um, and then various other stuff. Uh, on the military side, I started a meetup out here called, called Warfighter Wealth. And um, similar to kind of the from military to millionaire, millionaire community that Dave Perret runs. And that was part, a lot of the inspiration for me in starting that here locally. Um, there's just such a lack of financial education and financial literacy in the military. Mm. Um it's just not something, you know, as you know, it's not something that's taught in kind of public education system and schools in general. And then when folks get into the military, it continues to not be taught. So a lot of folks, you know, don't know what they should be doing or, or don't care. Um, so just trying to try and help out that way because it's a community that I'm a part of and, and also, you know, passionate about and care about. So. Yeah, and you got to meet up tonight, right? That's right. Yeah, right after this, I'm going to be heading over and getting some beers and uh, chatting about chatting about building wealth. So. And it's just such, I, I resonate so deeply with, I mean, my, my wife, Eliza worked on the, the fight team for you know a few months mm -hmm. and that's how we got started in real estate. It's like how a lot of people get started in real estate is house hacking, mm -hmm. buy a house, move into it, stick roommates in it. Oh, I, <clears throat> I will, <laughs> you probably cannot convince me otherwise that there is a more accessible, easier to get into and, really better or higher rate of return way to get into investing in real estate investing than house hacking. I mean, it's, it's just so easy. Almost anybody can do it. And it's, you know, you look at the numbers, you crunch the numbers on the returns and it's like, what else can I put my money into? That's going to give me 150% ROI. It's like crazy. Right. So, and it's just, like you said, it's so accessible and there's such a, uh, an opportunity for, you know, helping people that aren't investors get into real estate investing because mm -hmm. real estate for a lot of us that have been in real estate for a while, like we, you know, I was calling it the purple book, right? Like we've all read the purple book, the yeah. Robert Kiyosaki, <clears throat> yep. you know, rich dad, poor dad, poor dad. We've been listening to bigger pockets and we went through that journey, you know, and it's almost sort of like you get a little desensitized in a way to, uh, how powerful real estate is and how valuable it is to someone who really doesn't 
uh, speak that language yet. Mm -hmm. And you found this cool niche, not only with the military and, you know, there's just a lack of education in that space and financial education. And a lot of people think that that's like balancing a checkbook and, and it is those things, but building wealth through real estate, you got to have a place to live. And, you know, I just love that you found that particular niche and you're just running with it. Uh, and so I'm curious how you think about your solvable problem and how you communicate that to someone who's very new to real estate investing, right? All these people that, that are house hacking, they're, they're typically new investors. Now, of course, there, there are some more seasoned investors that still do that, but it's typically geared towards the entry level. You want to get started in real mm -hmm. estate. Here's how you start. Um, so I would like for you to tell us a little bit about one, how you help your clients with creating their solvable problem. You know, like, hey, if we can create enough passive income, the whole the whole mantra is like, create enough passive income, then you can quit your job and do whatever you want in life. You know, um, and that resonates with with a huge portion of of new investors. But also, how do you think about your solvable problem and how you're using these tools to help you get closer to what you want in life? Yeah, that. I'm going to hit on something you said first, because I think that's actually something I struggle with a lot, which is communicating it mm. and communicating that this is achievable. People yeah. just, I think, don't understand that it's, it seems like a pipe dream. You know, I can't retire early, quit my job, you know, do whatever I want. So far in advance it's, and they're so focused on what they're doing. It's hard to yep. imagine that that's even possible. We've been so conditioned here in America of American dream is work for 40 years, you know, invest in index funds, get a, you know, retire when you're 65, live off of social security, et cetera. I think it's just so ingrained. And it's like, like I said, it seems like almost a pipe dream because it's so far out of the norm for most people that it, it is, I, I do struggle with convincing, um, and like convincing people, Hey, this is totally achievable. Like it's not even that difficult really when you get down to it. Um, but how do I help my clients do that? And just, you know, people that I want to help educate, I'm a big, I don't love the term like goal setting, but just identifying your goals, identifying your priorities, um, kind of identifying the end state that you want to achieve and then working backwards from there. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to do that. You know, we used the um, GPS 411 um, methods as well for a while. We, at least on the business side, we're leaning more towards kind of the uh, VTO traction. Yeah. Uh, if you've read traction, uh, that method, but however you do it, I mean, really it's, Identifying the end state, working backwards and creating incremental steps on how to get there and following a timeline. Those are the biggest things. So that's one of the first questions I ask is, you know, what are your goals? What are you trying to reach? Is it just, you know, keep the same standard of life, be able to create enough passive income to, you know, travel, do whatever you want kind of thing? Or do you want to own a yacht? Like, do you want to, you know, do you want a hundred million dollar net worth? Like, what are your goals? What, let's put it in, in scale yeah. and in scope. Well, what do you um, find... Um that was a hard question for me to answer for a long time. You know, like, I don't know what I want. Yeah. What happens if it changes? That's what a, happens? That's if a happens? common answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. in two to three years, I used, you know, I think about my life three years ago and the things that I wanted then are very different than the things I want now. I'd say it's reasonable to assume that three years from now, the things that I want are going to be very different than what I want now. Yep. And that can paralyze a lot of people. They're just like, you know, this analysis paralysis mm -hmm. and they just don't know how to move forward because they're like, well, I don't know what I want. I don't know what my life purpose is. And 
and and that creates a lot of just paralysis. Yeah. That, so that's that brings up two other good points. Uh, sometimes it's easier to frame it from a what don't you want perspective. Mm. So I'll ask people, hey, what don't you want? Oh, I don't want to be stuck in a nine to five. Great. There's a that's a good segue into what do you want, or at least what do you want right now? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the other piece of it is, like you said, it's better to take steps towards something you think you want or you want right now and take action. I'm a big believer of, you know, do something even if it's wrong, because then you're moving in a direction. Maybe it's not the right direction, but it's probably not 180 out. It's probably not the complete wrong direction. So you'll still be making at least some progress. And then that's why you update your goals. Right. Every year, every quarter, however often you want to revisit them. Now that it's just vector checks saying, okay, am I still on the right path? And or, you know, do I still have the same end result or do I need to update that, tweak it, and then adjust fires accordingly? Yeah. Well, and it's okay to change your mind. Uh, yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. The vector checks. I really like that. You know, the analogy that I've given many times on this show and I think about all the time is, you know, when you get into your car. So, so I don't struggle with analysis paralysis. I struggle with like taking uh, massive action that a lot of times I have to undo, right? Because I had, didn't take the time to like define what it is that I want. And so I struggle with chasing more, right? I can make more money if I did this. I could make it get more influence or whatever the, you know, the thing is you're trying to get more of. And the analogy I think of is like Google Maps. First of all, you got to tell Google like where you're going, you know, sitting in your car all day trying to figure out where you're going to go is not going to, you're not going to get anywhere doing mm -hmm. that. So first of all, you got to just start driving the car at a certain point. Like you're saying, like you got to start doing something. Uh, but, but secondly, I think a lot of investors err on the side of just chasing more and more and more. And there is no end point. They just get into this endless loop. Now, Real estate investors, I think, have a little bit of a, an advantage over a lot of the population because there's so predictable amount of cash flow that comes from each property. And so you can be like, well, I need $10,000 a month to live the life that I want to live. Okay, if I can make you know 10 houses at $1,000 a month, there you go, right? It sounds pretty easy and obvious. Of course, it's not that simple. You and I, we get going and then we're like, ooh, but I could do this. Ooh, but here's this other thing, multifamily. Yep. What a shiny object yep. that is. Oh, short-term rentals, yeah. Short-term rentals. Yep. I could make more money if oh. I did short-term rentals. Um, and so what I found was this analogy of like, I struggle with you get in the car and I, I just want to type in like, I want to go as north as far as possible. But that's not, Google won't know what to do with that. If you just type in, I want to go north. Like you've got to tell it north could mean from Denver to Cheyenne, Wyoming. It could mean Seattle. It could mean, you know, Chicago. These are all very different things, but all technically north. It's, it's your vector check, yep. right? It's also okay to be heading towards Chicago and then decide later, you know what? I'd rather go to Seattle. But I think the point is, is you've got to define what you're trying to actually solve for. We call that the solvable problem. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own language. We use that phrase. Um, because it is a problem that could be worked back and solved. Um, yeah, so I'm curious how you, you know, you're dealing with all these different things, right? I know how you help your clients. It's like pick that endpoint and work backwards. How are you doing that in your life? What is, what is your solvable problem look like? Same idea. So yeah, sorry, I didn't answer that half of the question earlier, but um, it's, I would say it's mirrored on my personal side versus the passion and, and business side. Um, you know, a lot of people 
think that you get into business to make money and you know that's not the case you get into business to solve problems and as a you know side effect almost you make money mm -hmm. uh, in doing so so that i think that's where a lot of people go awry in that so i am fortunate that those two are aligned um, both on the personal and the business slash passion side is financial freedom it mm -hmm. just comes back to that i, I want to be able to make my own choices, have certainty, not be reliant on, you know, other people, whether that's an employer or what, what have you, um, at least as much as possible, right? We're all humans. We're all interdependent to some extent, Sure, but, you know, have that freedom to at least, um, be flexible and, and kind of make more of more of my own autonomous or independent decisions. So same way, you know, same way we help our clients, our investors is, identify the end state. <clears throat> My end state is I don't want to be reliant on a W-2, a nine to five. I want at least mostly passive income and I want to be able to pursue my passions, which again, fortunately align well with that and helping others achieve the same thing. So that's kind of the business or passion side is like helping others achieve financial freedom, educating them, um, you know, ha helping them invest with us so that aligns with their goals or finding a good way for them to invest or achieve those goals, even if it's not you know, with us necessarily, if that's not the best, um, the best, uh, roadway or path to their, what they're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And getting clear on that creates all sorts of alignment and you know, now you're taking actions that help, you know, get you closer to those things, but not everybody's that fortunate, you know, um, business for a lot of people is about making money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's why I, I think that's why we get along so well is because like we're, we're, you are very aligned with the things that you're doing in your professional life are getting you closer to how you want to live in your personal life. And it happens to be like, those are very similar things. Like we just love real estate. We love going to retreats and mm -hmm. skiing and talking about real estate all day long. It is a passion. It is a profession. Um, and defining, you know, when I think about, well, what is, what does success look like? Some people, it's the private island, it's the jet, it's the like, and no judgment for any of that, right? If that's what yeah. you want, by all means, go get it. I'm not here to like judge any of that. I wouldn't hate it, you know, like talk to most people. I'm sure if they were handed that or were able to achieve that or thought they were able to achieve that, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't poo-poo it, Yeah. right? They wouldn't, they'd be like, oh yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. So I don't, well, no, and I don't I, think there's anything wrong. I think it's it. just getting clear on what you define success as. Absolutely. You know, I've... I talk about my solvable problem is that I love to play basketball. Pick up basketball is like my favorite thing to do. And I would, I want to be able to design my life so that I can play business the same way I play pickup basketball. Mm -hmm. And that pickup game is real estate. Like I love business. I love solving problems. I love, you know, finding deals, but also there's other things in my life that I want to create space for like being able to travel, like having family, like, like doing different things like that. And so, you know, it's really nice when your prefer your professional and your personal life overlap. Uh, it just feels like a massive amount of alignment. And I, and again, I think that's part of what, why we get along so well is because we're just doing what we like to do. We're just playing business. Yeah. If we make money, that's great. It's a byproduct of just being passionate about what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's, Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about strategy. 
because on this show we talk a lot about barbells and the idea is we, we want to align strategies for, for making money, right? The things that we do uh, to get us closer to our solvable problem. So talk to me a little bit about how you view your own barbell, uh, the reliable side of that barbell, and then also the upside of the barbell. Sure. So the reliable side, we've already talked a lot about, um, you know, it's the buying those rental properties, the reliable assets that it's just, I don't want to downplay it, but it's, it's hard to screw up real estate if you're in it for the long haul. I mean, if it's about as reliable as it gets. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one of the biggest things. And that's what, one of the things that attracted me to it in the first place. And then, like you said earlier about, it's very calculable. You can say, okay, you know, I'm an engineer, right? So I, I have $10,000 is my number I need. I get $100 a door. Boom, you do the math. It's easy. It all pencils out. Yeah. So that's one of the things um, kind of along those same lines again with the just low risk, but still a lot of upside is that acquisition entrepreneurship that we're starting to get more into now. Um, another just steady, reliable, um, kind of almost, again, I don't want to downplay it because it's not easy per se, but more of an easy kill where... You know, as opposed to going and playing the lottery, it's like it's repeatable. Well, reliable doesn't always mean easy. Exactly. It just means yeah. predictable. Like exactly. you're saying, like, well, I put this much in and this is what I'm going to get out every single time with a very high yep. degree of certainty. If you follow the right formula, you can expect predictable results. And if you don't, or if you don't get those results, you can follow it back and say, okay, diagnose it. Where did I screw up? Because that's the only, you know, it's, it's identifiable. You can kind of pinpoint what happened, what went wrong, and then fix it for next time. Yeah. A lot more predictable. Um, so those two, you know, my W2, which uh, I think that's a lot of people's stable side of the barbell, um, but that also limits your upside. So I don't know if I've, it's probably the first time I'm kind of announcing this publicly, but I do have a separation date for my W2. Congrats. So at the end of this year, thank you. So at the end of this year, I'll be done with that. Uh, but that's also a little bit of pressure in terms of, you know, hey, I need to step up my game and, um, you know, make sure I have that kind of financial freedom, those numbers that I need to be hitting. Um, so that's, that's well, and that's what it is. It's like shift you, for sure. You know, it's almost like when you, when you get into real estate, it's an upside play in a sense, right? And the whole idea is to get it to be as reliable as your W2 job. Mm -hmm. And then you no longer, no longer really need your W-2 job, you can replace that with the reliable systems and you know things that you've built on the real estate side and pick a different upside play. Mm -hmm. Whether that is real estate or something else, you know, your your community and different things like that. But I mean that's the goal, right? That's that's what we're you know, that's what we all tried to do as real estate investors. That's what you do with your clients and as a profession is like, hey, let's figure out how to take your reliable side of the barbell and shift it from a W-2 to passive income through real estate. Exactly. Yeah. So relying on more of those things and then on the, you know, kind of replacing the active, quote unquote, active portion of the um, stable side would be the realtor, you know, the realtor gig and, um, and working with clients on that side. Uh, and then the more of the upside, the you know higher risk, higher reward portion of the barbell. Um, we try to definitely balance that with things like um, you know being innovative, kind of digging into innovative pursuits. One of which being we talk about this a lot, but blockchain and crypto, right? So not just buying you know aping into a certain token, but the infrastructure side. You know how is this going to revolutionize certain industries? Like the real estate industry is a big one of them. Um, you know things like um, Things like our, our retreats, even I would say. So, we for the first one, we definitely went out on a limb. 
I mean, you know, we didn't know if it would be successful, unsuccessful. We paid for everything up front. We were not in, at the time, we were not in exactly what you'd call a, you know, stable uh, or a surplus of cash necessarily. So Been there. It wasn't cheap, right? We <laughs> spent all this money, uh, thousands of dollars on this retreat and paid for everything for everybody and, and went on a limb that this would, you know, have dividends later. Uh, so I think that's a, a great epitome of what, you know, and, and spoiler alert, it worked out. I mean, it, it was a, I think everybody really loved it. We made some amazing new connections and um, just added a ton of value. You know, all the feedback we got was hugely positive, which was good. Yeah. Um, so that was the intent and building that community out um, and it worked out. So that was one case where it worked out. It doesn't always work out on that end of the barbell, but. Well, and let's talk about that because <laughs> taking upside bets, I think it's, you know, there's a, we say upside and I'm actually shortening what I mean because this word for some reason trips people out, but you're an engineer, so you understand asymmetry to the upside. It doesn't necessarily just mean that there's upside. It I means love that, yeah. that the upside is really big, but the downside is really low. Uh, when we, we talk about a barbell, we call it a barbell because we've all seen a barbell and you don't load weight in the middle of a bar. That makes no sense. Weight in the middle of the bar means that the upside is big, but the downside is also really big. It's symmetrical. Those are bets I try to take off the table because if I'm right, well, great, but you're taking on a ton of risk. And if you're wrong, well, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to hurt really bad. And, and so when I talk about asymmetry to the upside, the, the analogy I give is, you know, you imagine like if you take a bet and it's like, you know, it's like falling from a foot off the ground. Like if you fell off from a foot off the ground, it's not going to hurt you. You could do that 30 times in a row and it wouldn't hurt you. But if you fell once from 30 feet, it could kill you. Mm -hmm. Right, and so when we talk about asymmetry to the upside, what, what I'm referring to is jump from a foot off the ground. Like if you're wrong, big deal. It's not going to hurt you, uh, but make the bet so that the upside is huge. And and you know, crypto is a taboo word. Let's just call it like it is. Like real estate investors are like, what? Yeah. I want nothing to do with it. It gets a bad rap. That's another part of the uh, education portion of it, right? Is like teaching people again, going back to oh. I can't quit my job. I can't replace my income with passive income. It's the same thing. It's like, yeah. it's just a misconception that's been either perpetuated either intentionally or not. Same thing with crypto. Yeah. Know? Because so many people are jumping from 30 feet Yep. and then they wreck themselves and everybody's like, well, see crypto's dangerous. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's the human that decided to jump off of 30 feet. We're jumping from a foot off the ground. If we're wrong in crypto, we're barely like, hurting it like it doesn't hurt mm -hmm. you know um and there's you, so you know much how much uh, not to toot my own horn you know how much my crypto portfolio is down right now right it just had a giant crash it's we've lost 60 percent of crypto you know the the market share market cap in the last what six months nine months yeah i'm still up on my portfolio because i'm not taking like you said Moonshot i'm, not, I'm not yeah i'm not i'm not aping it i'm not you know I'm not doing that crazy stuff and, and I'm investing based on fundamentals and for the long term. And I haven't been invested since 2014, like a lot of people, you know, you, it, it's, it's just an education problem. You know, there's, it's a perception problem and education problem. And it frustrates me because people, you know, give it a bad rap and, and it's not just crypto. It's, it's a lot of things, but that's one example of, you know, headlines, clickbait, yeah. et cetera. So. Here's a headline. I had one of my close friends who got me into all this. 
he took, I think I may have mentioned this to you, he, he turned $50,000 into 40 million in crypto. Talk, I mean, tell me where else you have that kind of an upside play, right? right? <clears throat> now, if he lost $50,000, that's probably more than I'm willing to lose, right? So that's a bet where I would be like, well, you're probably jumping from 10 foot at that point, right? Spray an uh, ankle, maybe break a leg, yeah. <laughs> and so I guess what I would say is, where else do we have that type of upside play? Volatile assets create massive amounts of opportunity if you have a, if you have the right way to approach it and the right way to think about it. It shouldn't scare you. It should excite you, but you have to know how to approach it. You don't jump from 30 feet, right? You have to take bets where if you're wrong, big deal. Another way of saying that is like diversification, I suppose. Sure. It's like spread your bets out. Don't make don't make one bet that could crush you. I think it's even more than that or different than that. I mean, in the military, especially in flight tests, we talk a lot about risk management or operational risk management. Are we doing things that are smart? I mean, are we making smart decisions is really what it boils down to, to not risk too much to accomplish the end goal what we're trying to do. So I look at it much the way much in that way. Um, you know, like you said, with the with the jumping example, um, if the if we have to do something very risky, how are we mitigating it? You know, if it's a high risk, a high volatility asset, only putting in what you are willing to lose, kind of thing. Like those are the those are, that's the risk management you need to be thinking about actively before you just go, you know, dumping your life savings into Dogecoin. And so many people look and they're like, you know, so they say, well, there's an opportunity to make a hundred x in crypto, and so. Most people look at that as they're just paying attention to the upside. I could make 100x if I hit this. Yeah, you have to look at both sides. But like, what happens if you're wrong? Right. And so, again, the 100x presents a great opportunity. You don't actually need to put much in because 100x on $10,000 is enough to like really move the needle, <laughs> right? But our human brains, like, oh, but okay, well, I'll put everything in. You want to go all in. Um, and not everybody struggles with that. And we're probably getting a little off track with sure. like, the whole idea of like, <laughs> but I guess blockchain and crypto does present a massive opportunity for upside. You just gotta know how to you just gotta know how to approach it. Yeah, and, and tying it all back, I mean, that's another one of my really high on my list goals for this year is seeking out and getting involved in opportunities that have asymmetric upside. Yeah, I mean that's my goal. I would like to hedge, you know, and they're not—they don't grow on trees, right? Exactly. So it's—it's it's not exactly—it's not something you can go out and just and just find willy nilly. You have to be putting the time, effort, and, and education into into seeking those out, and, and in a lot of cases, creating them for yourselves. Like again, they yeah. don't just pop up, you know. Um, and that's one of the reasons we are so bullish on um, acquisition entrepreneurship is because we we've identified that as one of those types of opportunities where if you do your due diligence, you put the effort in and you you learn, you really educate yourself on how to do this the right way, follow the process. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's even more asymmetrically beneficial or, or um, lucrative than than real estate. Hmm. So. Uh, that's why we're we're kind of doubling down on that and, and getting more, you know, getting smarter on it, getting more and well involved in it. Um, but it's like I think it was Bezos who said, you know, if you have the potential to make a million dollars, but it's only ten percent, you have to invest thousand bucks or whatever. He's like, I'll take that bet every single time. Yes, we talk about that all the time, and it's it essentially says, uh, yeah, if you have a if you have a you. 
I butchered it, but it's close. <laughs> um, but it's like if you have a nine, uh, shoot, an opportunity to make a hundred X, you should take that bet nine times out of ten, yes. even if it's going to feel bad. Yes, nine times out of ten. And but what's important about that is you if it takes ten times to hit that, you can't make all the bet in the first go, you have to be able to play 10 times. Because then you have nothing left, right? Right. right. It, it means that you have to approach that so you can actually play 10 times. Because nine times out of 10, it's gonna feel really bad when you're wrong. So you can't make a bet that you can't recover from. And this is just game theory. This is just like how to actually approach investing. Well, and it's psychology too. I mean, that's a great point. It, the If you make a dollar, it feels good. Yeah. If you lose a dollar, it feels twice as bad. Right. That's why people don't do it's it's again, it's asymmetric at this time in, in the wrong direction. Yeah. Because psychologically we are very averse to loss as humans. Well, and so <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this because it's like we we have these conversations all the time. And part of what makes something asymmetrical is that it's not taking all this energy and thought. I mean, for example, you know, I get people all the time who are, are, first of all, they'll ask me like, what coin should I invest in? And I roll my eyes a little bit and I'm like, well, that's not what I'm here to do. Uh, but, but secondly, they'll make some bet in crypto and we like, before you invest, like it's very clear, this is a very volatile asset. And so they'll see their portfolio go foom, 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 foom. <laughs> and they're riding the emotional roller coaster throughout this this time. And my first, you know, and then they're like, Hey, you told me to buy this coin or, you know, you bought this coin and it's gone down. And it's like, well, if you're making a bet, that's going to stress you out when you lose or it goes down, you just took the asymmetry out of the bet. Now you're incurring all this emotional loss every single time because you're watching the charts constantly. Yep. It goes up and goes down. It goes up and goes down. And you're emotional. You're just getting drained. Like you said, you could start out with 100 bucks, go up to 110, go down to 70, go up to 150, go down to 80, and finish at 100. But the emotional damage that you incurred with that process is significantly less. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, and I don't, I don't like Dave Ramsey, most of what he says, but he, you know, it's like he says, don't look at your retirement account, your stock portfolio. Don't check it every day because right. you can drive yourself nuts and you're going to probably end up emotionally selling, lose money and crypto's, you know, a hundred times worse. It's, oh, yeah. it's that times a hundred. Don't look at it. Frequency of exposure is a real thing yes. yep. and don't expose yourself to data unless you intend for it to uh, uh, influence your behavior. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not going to do anything right. and you weren't going to do anything anyways, then why are you looking at it? All you're doing is creating an emotional reaction out of yourself. You know, and that's easier said than done. I say that to myself all oh, the time. And, and yet I constantly look at charts. And so, yeah, do yep. as I say, not as I do. Yeah, but I, I checked ETH this morning and guess what? I was happy because it's up. Woo! percent great yeah. but if it was down i would have been making myself miserable for no reason because i'm not going to sell you know, and I'm also in, it's just for, we want the dopamine hit right right yeah i'm in it for the time horizon or the longer time horizon i'm in it for the long haul I, you know like you said i was not going to take action based on that data so why did i look at it to give myself a dopamine hit or right. to you know because we're human and i'm addicted to checking my phone whatever yeah whatever the reason is but yeah yeah so you've got, I mean, you've got all sorts of stuff in real estate and, you know, your W-2, which like I said, congratulations that you're, you're, you. you're able to leave that, which is a huge accomplishment as an investor. You've got your, you know, your, uh, buying and selling real estate. You've got your rentals in Dayton. Um, 
then on the upside side of the barbell, you've got, you're dabbling in blockchain, you're dabbling in, I think AI stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you also run a, a community that has seemingly infinite upside through relationships. And the downside is you spend a few thousand dollars in a weekend with friends, right? And I think that that is a such a balanced barbell. You've got things nicely placed on both sides, but it, it's now it's a matter of like, okay, what irons do we need to pull out of the fire 100%. so we can double down on the things that are actually getting us closer to the things that we want in life? Yep. It's like pruning a tree, you know, pruning a plant. I do not, I have a black thumb, so it's maybe a bad analogy, but it, you know, you're, you're getting rid of the dead weight. You're getting rid of the things that are not adding value or not adding as much value. So you can focus more and help the things that are providing, you know, the Pareto principle, right? The 20, 80, 20, you're, you're focusing on the 20% that's giving you 80% of your, whether it's income results, whatever, and helping that portion thrive. Yeah. So that, that's the goal. That's the intent. I love it. Um, so to finish, I'd like you to share, as we always do at the end of the show, with you know a lesson that you've learned in business, something that you've learned recently, um, you know, and, and, a, and a takeaway that people can take from your experiences. So, what is the lesson that you've learned in business that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Yeah, this is this is a big one. Um, I thought about this a lot when you asked, and um, I don't know. And maybe some people will say this is intuitive. Um, I kind of think it is, but then again, I didn't realize it for a long time either. So maybe it's, you know, too obvious or, or maybe it's just not as intuitive as some might think it is, but um, just selfless, selfless addition of value to others. Um, it's talk about asymmetric upside. I mean, just not asking anything in return, providing value for others. Not only is it, kind of selfishly fulfilling. I mean, I think no matter who you talk to, they'll say, you know, if you realize you've helped somebody some way, you get a lot out of that. I know I get a lot out of that. Um, so that's, that's one, one thing, but even if, you know, even if you take that off the table, I don't know, you call it, you know, karmic justice, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think, and I've seen that it just comes back to you a thousandfold over. Yeah. I mean, if you just put out value to the universe in one shape or form or another, it's going to come back to you and you're going to get, you know, again, a thousand times what you put into it. Um, and I, we've seen that, you know, both through, both through the retreats and then just helping educate people, you know, whether it's putting out content on whatever Instagram, YouTube, you, you know, what have you, um, just trying to help other people skip the, <laughs> skip the hard part. Yeah. You know, I, I would, I would love it if people could get and not, you know, not that I've accomplished anything crazy impressive, but like if I could cut out the, a lot of the struggle and the, and the, you know, hurdles and the setbacks that I experienced, um, just by educating others on how to do that and accelerate their journey, then, I mean, that's a win as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I think that's, that's just a tenant to live by, right? It's just like, yeah, it's like the golden rule do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And, uh, there's a reason we've, you know, people have talked about this for thousands and thousands mm -hmm. and thousands of years and it is intuitive, but it's not as easily, it's easier said than done. Yeah. You can tell the people who are genuinely giving because, uh, because they understand that rule and you can call it selfish, but like, if you don't understand that that is the way to operate in the world, um, you might see it as selfish. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think some people, uh, 
some people just get it and some people don't. Um, and you're one of the people that gets it. So I, I think that's a great lesson. It's been, uh, it's been a hard lesson learned. And I've definitely struggled with that balance of, am I doing this for selfish reasons or, you know, and I, again, I think there's a fine line that a lot of people have to walk in understanding that, you know, you, you can kind of separate the outcome from the, from the intent or from the goal um, or from the action rather in terms of, I am, I want to do this, whatever it is, you know, education, um, delivering value in whatever form independent of the outcome. Yeah. The fact or the, you know, the result that I then is maybe at some point in the future to gain something from it. It's more of an intent question. I think, you know, are you doing it solely for that? Then maybe that's not the best intent, but, um, you know, if the intent up front is, it's like, so it's like a, it's like giving versus a donation. Um, I think, I think this was on, I think Alex Hormozzi talked about this on one of his recent episodes, one of his podcast episodes of, you know, what, what's the difference? So giving maybe has some connotation of expecting something in return, whether now or in the future versus the word donation is more of, I'm giving this away and I don't ever expect anything back for it. I'm just yeah. doing it just to give. Um, so I, I kind of look at it that way. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're donating your time and your efforts, even if you then get some benefit out of it later in the future, the intent was there that it was a donation. It was a gift. Um, not, you know, not expecting something in return. Yeah. So rules to live by. That's great, man. Well, Dean, you are, uh, House hacking, helping people do that. You're buying and selling real estate here in Colorado. Uh, you, you've got a fantastic community. How can people get in touch with you if they want to, you know, get into investing? They want to buy a house hack. They want to get, uh, you know, maybe they're in the military and they resonate with all this sort of stuff. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, um, probably one of the best ways or one of the most active ways, I guess, is on Instagram. So um, my personal slash realtor account is at uh, the Resolute Realtor. And then our business account at 18 alpha one eight alpha investing. Um, and then email, uh, Dean at the team.com and Dean at 18 alpha investing.com. Awesome. So we'll have all that in the show notes. Um, in case you guys do want to get in touch with Dean, I highly recommend it. He is a fantastic investor and an even better person, a uh, friend of mine. So definitely reach out to him if you're looking to get into house hacking here in Denver. Um, for everybody that's listening, uh, we encourage you to use the investor frame. So knowing what you know now and what Dean and I just talked about, what changes do you need to make in your business, your life, your investments to help you get closer to the things that you want in life? Dean, it was such a pleasure having you here at the, at the house to, to do this podcast with me. Thank you for coming over. Um, and uh, for everybody else, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys on the next episode.